Uh, thank you, Father. We're going to be talking today. We're starting a new part of this series on kingdom purpose. How many believe the kingdom has a purpose? Amen. Amen. We, we are not here just to have church once in a while. We're, we have, we have a, a purpose that influences and affects this whole world. It, it uh, affects our, our uh, circle of influence. Did you know you have a circle of influence? You might not think you do, but everybody has a circle of influence. Amen. And, and so we, we uh, influence people around us, and uh, that, that spreads out, just keeps going like a ripple in a, in a, in a lake. It just keeps on going. And so I want us to uh, just really look at, at the purpose. The word purpose means a desired result to obtain and, and kept in mind while performing an action. It's a desired result to obtain and kept in mind while performing an action. If you live your life with purpose, it means that you have a, a reason, you have an intention for what you're doing. You have an intention for your life. You have an intention for, the, for what, uh, when you get up in the morning, you have an intent, an intent of what you want to accomplish that day. Now, a lot of us have a lot of tasks that we have to accomplish, but that's not all I'm talking about. Purpose means there is a core value in your life that every day when you get up, you, you head toward and you purposely try to in, in, um, put that core value into everything that you do with intention. It doesn't mean that just once in a while. It means you have developed a purpose in your life. That no matter what you're doing, no matter what's happening, no matter what uh, state or season you're in, you continually go after that purpose and and go after and and influence with that purpose in your life. If you don't have that, you need to adopt it into your life because to have to have a purpose is what causes you to. It'll make you healthier. It'll cause you to be more vibrant. It'll cause you to, to uh, be more successful in what you do because you do it with intent and with purpose. How many's ever showed up on the job and, and you did not have intent or purpose in being there? Come on, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. You ever, you ever got there at 8 o'clock in the morning and think, man, this, uh, it should be at least 4 o'clock in the afternoon and it's 8.10? I mean, the day is just dragging by. Have you ever just looked out the, the, the clock and think, is, that, is it moving? Is it broke? And the reason is because you didn't show up that day with intention and purpose in your, in your being. Because intention and purpose makes time fly. I mean, you, it's like you don't have enough hours in the day. How am I going to get all this done with, uh, with uh, no more time than I have? And so when you do that, and you do it with purpose, and you do it with intention, it, it causes us to be more effective in our lives. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 10. Praise God, my voice is finally coming. I've been waiting on that. Amen. Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 10. It says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody say that with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Now, this is, this is a kingdom purpose. This is not just a part of, of uh, the prayer that God gave us or Jesus gave us. You know, he wasn't just wasting time when he gave us his prayer. It was actually an outline. It was a purpose prayer. And this part is to be the purpose of the body of Christ worldwide, not just our church. It, it is a purpose for the whole body. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. Make it a, a greenhouse effect. I've, in, in, uh, in this book, uh, I've been reading The Way of Life by uh, Bill Johnson. has a very um, good explanation of that. If I can remember where that's at. Seems like I wrote it down somewhere. All right. I'm going to read this real fast. All churches have a culture built into their existence. It's seen in their values, beliefs, expectations, relational boundaries, purposes, approach to money, success, people, both sinners and saints, and much more. It is our unwritten approach to life. Most of the time, the culture that is built is not, the cult, is not actually the culture of the kingdom of God. In other words, it may be built to mimic the Christian principles that stand out to us, stand out to us, yet not be the value system of heaven itself. Now, I want you to think about that this morning. How many of the values that we hold is what God really holds dear, or is it just something that we have have decided is valuable, and we want to institute that? Holy Spirit asked me a question a few years ago, and He said, "Why do you do what you do?" And that's a very sobering question because you have to stop and say, okay, why do I do? Is there purpose in what I'm doing? Is there purpose in why that we come to church? Is there purpose in why we preach the gospel? What is, what is the purpose that you live with? And is it the purposes of God? Is it the intent of God? And is it the value system that God has? And as I begin to look at that, I begin to, I begin to have to say, no, not really. The value system that I have really is not heaven's value system. It's, it's a cultural value system that I have adopted from my experiences and from uh, what seems to be what we're supposed to do and, and things like that. You know, that's, that's how we're supposed to, this is how you're supposed to do this and this is how, how you're supposed to do that. And I, wanna, I don't want to just have a culture that we develop. I want to have a culture that has been imparted to us and we develop because it, it's, it's God's culture. It's heaven's culture. That's one of the reasons that on the outside of this church, there are, there are four uh, main core values that this church goes by. And we establish these because I believe that it, it develops an atmosphere. I believe an atmosphere. Amen. You, you know, the atmosphere in here today has been just a little bit uh, sluggish or whatever you want. Is that a good word? Maybe that's not a good word. Sleepy or, or maybe that's because I was back in the office sleeping before I walked out here. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been, been my fault. I don't know. <laughs> but we, we have an atmosphere. But I got to tell you something. That atmosphere is now under, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
that, that, that God has put on my life, so we're going to do what the anointing does that God's put on my life. That's the atmosphere that we're going we're gonna to work and operate in. Amen. I don't, I don't go somewhere and adopt the atmosphere of the place I'm in. I go somewhere with my atmosphere, and I change the atmosphere. I love, do, I love watching that happen. No matter, it doesn't matter if we're preaching on the streets. It don't matter if we're preaching to homeless people. No matter what we're doing, when we show up, the atmosphere now belongs to us. Amen. It don't matter if there's demons sitting on every side and, and we're surrounded by them. It, once we show up, the atmosphere no longer belongs to them. It now belongs to us because we have a power and authority that is greater. We have an authority in the name of Jesus that overcomes and rises above and conquers. And all we have to do is show up and let the anointing of God begin to manifest in our lives. And next thing you know, the atmosphere is totally changed and people are now under the canopy or the greenhouse effect of the presence of God. Amen. Brother, Brother Johnson was talking about the greenhouse effect. When you have a greenhouse, you can grow things. No matter what the atmosphere outside is, you can still grow and nurture. You can create an atmosphere by which plants and, and flowers and things like that can, can grow, even though the atmosphere around is not conducive to it, but you have developed an atmosphere that is conducive to growth, conducive to productivity. And that's what the kingdom of God is. We are like greenhouses. We, we, are, we come to uh, establish an atmosphere, a canopy, so to speak, of the presence of God so that when, we, when, when people come when, under that atmosphere, they are no longer out in the the atmosphere that's not conducive to life or the presence of God. They have now come into life. They have now come into hope. They have now come into the power of God. And we, by the power of, and glory of God, can release that and people can experience the very presence and glory of God that, that changes their lives. Why? Because they came into an atmosphere that was conducive for that change. Amen. Hallelujah. There's been, there's, there's times that I give altar calls, especially when I'm preaching to uh, groups of people that, that are unchurched. You know what we call unchurched, people that aren't normally, nor, normally come to church, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, prostitutes, people that's been in sex trafficking, you know, all, all that kind of thing. And you come in that atmosphere and it seems like that would be hard. It's actually not. It is actually a very easy atmosphere to minister in if you understand that you belong, the atmosphere belongs to you. Now, if you believe the atmosphere belongs to them, you're going to be intimidated. You're, going to, you're, going to be, you're not going to be able to fun, function and flow. You're going to struggle with it. But if you believe the atmosphere belongs to, the, to you and to the presence of God, then everything begins to change. Amen. When I give an altar call, people come up, you know, and but I don't stay with just the people that come up. I usually pray for those, and then I wade out into the people that didn't come up, and I start talking to them. I start, I start speaking into their life, and next thing you know, tears are coming down their face. God's breaking their heart. Why? Because that atmosphere that back there belongs to me just like this atmosphere up here belongs to me. It's wherever we put our feet, wherever we walk. That's where, that's where God has authority, where we take, where we 
we walk and when we move, that's the authority of the name of Jesus and the glory of God has now come into that place. And the people that are around me have now come under the canopy of the presence and glory of God. They're in a conducive atmosphere now where they can receive from God. Amen. I used to wonder why it was necessary. You know, I, I thank God I've, I've been blessed to travel different parts of the world and preach in a lot of places. And I always wondered why, you know, at first it, it kind of bothered me. Why do we have to sit up, spend all this money and have these big open air meetings in these, in these countries? You know, it costs, it costs a lot of money and it was a lot of work. And and, and at first, I wasn't sure that I understood why and, and if it was that effective. I thought, is this, is this just show or is it really effective? And, and that's when God began to teach me about atmosphere. Because I began to realize when we sit up those meetings and people come, whenever they walk to that place, whether it's open air meeting or whatever, and we begin to preach the gospel. They come under they come under this large canopy of the presence of God. All of a sudden, the influence of the outside world is cut off. Now they're under the canopy of the presence of God. They're in the greenhouse of the Holy Spirit, and they're able to begin to receive and grow. And next thing you know, God begins to touch their life because they're no longer under the power of the demon spirits that have been controlling. They're no longer under the witch doctors and the and, and the priests and the people that control them and, and the, the doctrines and religion control them. Now they're under the presence and power of God, and they are being touched by his glory, and they'll never be the same because because now they've received the glory of the Lord. Amen. I've watched, I've watched different times as demonic powers in, infesting people walk into those places, and next thing you know, they begin to manifest. And a lot of people get afraid of that when they start manifesting. That's not a time to get afraid. That's when they're coming out. That's when they know they've been found out. That's when God has got a hold of them, and they have to come out in the name of Jesus. Amen. When, when they're not manifesting, that's when, that's when you need to worry because they're manipulative, deceitful, and wretched. But when, they, when that demon starts fighting back and revealing itself, it's because he's come into the presence of an almighty God, and he can't stand the presence. Woo! Glory to God. He can't stand the presence of an almighty God. They can't just sit there and enjoy it because they have come into something that's more powerful than they are. They've come under authority that defeated them 2,000 years ago, and now they've been found out, and they start manifesting, and they start screaming and squealing. There's one time I got to laughing so hard because this guy that was just spinning like a top, you know, you you probably heard the story knocking people down and all this kind of stuff. And and but when 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 he got taken down by the power of God, just squealing like a, like a scared little girl, I got tickled. I couldn't even pray. I was on the ground laughing because I kept saying, "Is that all you can do? Just lay there and scream?" Demonic powers, once they come under the authority of the name of Jesus, then they begin to you begin to realize that they have no power. When they come in contact with that, we, we have been called to influence and purpose the kingdom of God. I want you to say this with me today. I purpose to live my life so that the kingdom of God is made manifest and obvious in me, in my home, 
in my church, in my city, in my country, and in this world. Praise God. We have just declared what belongs to us. Amen. That's what belongs to the kingdom of God. In the, in the, uh, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> All right, got that over with. <laughs> in the Passion Translation, where it's talking about that your kingdom come, your will be done. In the Passion Translation, I love the way it's, it's stated there. It says, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just at it, at it, as it is fulfilled in heaven. I like the way that's stated. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth. How many want the purposes of God to be fulfilled on earth? Amen. Praise God. Did you, do you realize that the purposes of God on earth is, is not to punish and chastise people? We preached that for years. The church for years preached that, that that's how we tried to get people saved, and it worked quite a bit. But, but it, it's hard to hold people with that because after a while, fear wears off. And then what do you have? It's the goodness of God that brings people to real repentance. Amen. So it's God's purpose is not to punish. God's purpose is to save. We as a, the body of Christ, our purpose today is not to deliver judgment against the world. Our purpose today is to try to reach the world, try to save people, try to preach the gospel. Those that believe will be saved. Those that believe not will be condemned. It's up to them. It's their choice. We lay hands on the sick and they recover. Amen. We, we, we uh, speak with new tongues. We take up serpents. Don't, I have none of that yet, but we <laughs> drink anything deadly that shall not harm us. I am convinced that we have done that, that part, because there's been times that I've been really shook by things and that was unexplainable in other countries, but God brought us through it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like I saw, a, I saw an interview of a little lady or, or a video of a little old lady in, in one of those churches where they drink poison and handle snakes to prove their faith. And uh, for, for whatever reason, it, the, the rumor got started around in this area that we were snake handling church. I, I don't know where that come from. And, and there's still people believe that. I don't, know, I don't know how. I mean, that's been 15 years or 20 years ago, and, and people still think that that's true. I don't understand how that stuff goes. It, the ignorance, the ignorance that, that prevails is just amazing to me. But... This little lady was up there, and she's getting ready to drink some poison. I don't know what kind of poison it was, but she's getting ready to drink some poison. She's been doing it for years, and she's encouraging the younger people. And she said, now, now, children, I've had it shake me a few times, but it had not to. There's been, we, we get shook every once in a while, but it had not to. That's kind of how I feel, feel about this sickness. It shook me a little bit, but it had not to. It's got to go. Amen. We, uh, when we understand the kingdom of God, establishing the kingdom of God, the purpose of the kingdom of God is, is, not to, 
is not to declare to the world that they are judged. It's to declare to the world that you, there's a way that has been made. There's salvation that has been prepared. You have a way out. You have a way of salvation. God wants to change your life. Amen. When, when, we, uh, when I go down to Restoration Connection with, uh, and, and preach there with the people that are bound by drugs and alcohol and and, and there's different ones that, that has been rescued out of sex trafficking and, you know, stuff like that. And when you, when you preach to people like that, I don't go down there and, and tell them how, how wrong they are and how judged they are and how sinful they are. No, they already know that. I go down there and I open the door and I say, look, look at the glory you can have. Look at what you can have if you just let Jesus have your life. Amen. I just, I just open the door a little bit and, and let them peek in, and, and it changes their life. They want to know that God. They want to have the glory of God. We're going to leave the rest of that to God one of these days. He's going to judge. Matter of fact, next year in, in 2020, the Lord spoke to me the other day, and he said, 2020 is the year that I am going to start laughing. And I just, that just really bothered me for a little bit. I thought, what is that? And then I remembered Psalms chapter 2. Why does the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? I will laugh. I will have them in derision. And God is going to start laughing. You know why he's going to start laughing? Because he's going to start pouring out his spirit right in the midst of all the wickedness that's going on and right in the face of all those that are, that are, that are gnashing their teeth at God and saying you don't exist and saying that, you know, the, there's... The, we're a post-Christian We're not in a post-Christian country or post-Christian world. We are in the greatest revival right now. There's more Christians today than ever been. The gospel is spreading faster right now than, than has ever spread in history. Matter of fact, in China, in 15 more years, at the rate that Christianity is growing in China, in 15 more years, China will be the most Christian nation in the, on the entire planet. In the face of all those that are saying it can't happen and there is no God and, and you can't do that. God just laughs. He says, watch this. Watch this. Next thing you know, there's hundreds of thousands and millions of, of, of Christians gathering and worshiping God. Some, some places they can't even make any noise. You, you watch it. I've seen a few secret videos that have been gotten out of there, and they just move their mouths. They're all singing, but they're not making any noise because they can't. They'll be found out, but they're all worshiping and singing and, and just the glory of God. And God, one of, the, one of the great things that characterize the church in China is the fact that there's continuous miracles that take place in the church in China. Continuous miracles. God, they're, they're saying, God, you can't come into our nation. And, and God just starts healing people and, and transforming their lives. And, but the year 2020, God spoke to me and he said, the year 2020, I'm going to start laughing. Hallelujah. That's just, a, that's just, you know, for next year. Praise God. We... Uh, I want you to turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What's that mean? So walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught, 
abounding in it with thanksgiving. That's some, that's some powerful declarations right there. As you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Oh, praise God. Did you know you could walk like Jesus walked? I'm not talking about sandals and, and a, you know, whatever he wore. I'm talking about walking in the presence and power of Jesus. I want to I want to I want to get to the place where I experience more of that. Amen. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with it. Matter of fact, I've been even before I started battling this sickness, I start I was getting really upset because there was too many people that was only getting better uh, because doctors were giving them medicine and it's getting better, which I'm not against that. Thank God for the doctors. But if that is that is that our only hope? No, as a church, as the body of Christ, we, we need to have more hope than that. Amen. Now, don't go to the doctor's office. Don't make an appointment. Go to the doctor and tell him how bad he is and God's going to heal me. If you go to the doctor, be nice to him and don't argue with him and, and give him a hard time. You're the one made the appointment. All right? Be nice to him. Because you're not, you're not increasing the influence of Christianity by, by being insulting to people. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Yeah. Praise God. I close right now. That was really good. We represent Jesus. Now, I want you to think about the word, what the word represent means. It means re-present. Re-present. It doesn't mean that we're just trying to, trying to you know, carry a banner around advertising Jesus. It means that we are re presenting Jesus. So if we, if we have received him, Colossians says, so also we should walk in him. Praise God. That's a lot of power and strength. Walk in him. And, and then it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught and I love this word, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Most of the body of Christ is just hanging in there. Amen. Praise God. That, that kind of went over, you know, I, I know I just really touched something there because we're all just trying to survive and hang in there, it seems like. That's not what God wants us to do. God says abounding in it. Abounding in it in it hallelujah abounding in it what's it mean to abound it means to it means to have more than enough amen do you have more than enough i want to have more than enough to pass out to people amen i want to i want to be able to change the atmosphere on the job not just mimic the atmosphere on the job i want to be able to change somebody's life I want to be able to change people's life. I was walking through um, play, uh, where I work. I was walking through a, a area and just just picked up that this this guy was was really having a, a rough time. Not because he, he wasn't saying anything. He was just working. But as I walked through there, I thought just I heard in my spirit 
that, that he's about to blow. He's having a really rough time, and he's about to blow, and he might do some things today that, he, that he's going to regret. And that's what I heard. And so I walked on through there, and, you know, I try to mind my own, when I'm working, I try to mind my own business because I'm there to work, you know. And so I walked on out, I turned around, circled right back through, came right back, came right back in, walked up to him, and I just walked up, I really didn't know the guy, I just walked up to him and I said, buddy, it's just a job. And when I said that, it was like popping a balloon. I mean, you know, he just started exploding. And, and everything inside of him just started coming out. And, and I was able to stand there and, and walk him through what was going on in his life and help him resolve it to where the, and there was, there was getting ready to be some really bad problems. And, but we was able to change that atmosphere able to change his life, able to change everything because the atmosphere of God suddenly walked through. You understand what I'm talking about? We, we don't just walk in who we are. We walk in him. Amen. So if we're walking in him, when we walk in, he walks in. And the kingdom purpose is to represent Jesus, and Jesus had a tendency to meddle with things. Amen. Sometimes he was kicking over money tables and driving people out with a whip. He wouldn't have been voted back in for pastor after that year. Sometimes he was speak, speaking to children. Sometimes he would privately go aside just to sit up an, an encounter with a Pharisee. Out of everybody's gauge, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the glory of God, the awesome power of God in man would take the time to go aside and speak to one person. The woman at the well, Jesus, Jesus purposely positioned himself to where he could encounter that lady, not because he wanted to correct her wrongs, but because he knew the devastation in her heart and he wanted to heal it. See, a lot of us think that Jesus was condemning her by saying, you've already had five husbands and the one you're with now isn't your husband. Jesus wasn't condemning her because back then the woman did not have the ability to divorce. It was the man. And she had been thrown out five times and the person that she was living with at that time was just using her. You understand what I'm talking about? Jesus wasn't there to condemn her. Jesus was there because there was a shattered, broken spirit that he wanted to encounter and change her life. And so he changed her. He didn't say, well, if you'd straighten up and start living right, then everything go your way. No, he said, hey, listen, I want to give you something. I've got water that nobody else could ever give you. I've got water that will satisfy you. I've got water that will heal your broken heart. I've got water that'll raise you up. It'll be like a river rising up inside of you. Jesus purposely set himself up to encounter a broken heart. A devastated life. We are to represent Jesus. Amen. Represent 
Jesus. You know, people will, will want to argue with you about doctrine. I, I don't argue with people about doctrine. One reason is because I don't like that. Because I, I, don't, I don't just debate with people. If somebody challenges me, I go, for the, I go for the juggler vein. I cut it off just like that. And I don't like that. I don't like to go there. So I don't debate, okay? I could, I could debate with them. I could argue with them. I could, I could, but I don't want to win. You understand what I'm talking about? I don't want to win. I want them to win. I want them to experience something that's going to help them. Amen. I had an atheist guy start trying to challenge me about, about God. You know, he, he knew I was a preacher, and I could tell that he, he worked where I worked. I could tell that he was just waiting for the opportunity. So in front of a bunch of people, he started challenging me about God, you know, and, and trying to argue with me. And instead of arguing with him about God, I started confronting him about relationship. I said, I said, you know, God is, is relationship. It's not a doctrine. It's not a belief. It's a relationship. And I said, you've not been very successful in any relationships in your life, so I understand why that you don't believe in God because you don't, know, you don't understand relationship. And I just totally switched things on him. And next thing you know, he's quietly listening as I'm counseling him and talking to him about, about successful relationship. Took the, took the wind right out of his sails, popped his balloon. Why? Because I went to the heart of the problem. He's not an atheist. He's disappointed. We've got to let the Holy Spirit direct our, our path. We are here to re represent Jesus. Amen. The way I was feeling this morning, you'd, you'd figure this would be a 15-minute message and a prayer, wouldn't you? Verses 9 through 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him. We are to walk in Christ, but in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Are you grabbing what I'm saying? If you've received Christ, so walk in him. Oh, by the way, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, everything God has is in Jesus, and you get to walk in Jesus. You get to experience Jesus. You get to travel with Jesus. You get to go along for the ride and watch Jesus minister to people because you're walking in him and Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, I think it is, says the hope of, of the glory. What is, what is it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We walk in Christ. He's in us. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The church is greater than just a Sunday service. The church is greater than our religious beliefs. The church is greater than our traditions. The church is greater because we walk in Christ. He walks in us, and we get to walk in all the fullness of the Godhead bodily 
and you are complete in him. What the word next verse says, you are complete in him. You lack nothing. Everybody say, I lack nothing. See, a lot of you had to overcome doubt right there or a, a negative confession in your own heart because you feel like you lack a lot of stuff. I'm unworthy. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, that God, you know, God will have to find somebody else. I can't do that. Oh, you are complete in him. You are complete. In, everybody say to me, I am complete in him. Everything that God has has been invested in you, but we got to know that it's there and we can access it before we'll walk in it. Remember what he said? As you have received Christ, where was that? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught until you come to the understanding and the revelation of what is in Christ and what Christ is in you, you won't walk in it. But once you begin to realize what it is, then you start walking in it. Amen. Ah, oh, praise God. You are complete in him. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We're, we're not lacking anything God didn't leave one thing out. Amen. He'll stand you up. If you're dead and God needs a witness, he'll raise you from the dead just a witness. Some of y'all don't believe that. I believe, he's, I believe it's real. Amen. I believe it's real. There have been story after story after story of people being energized by the power of God. Oh, the great, one of the greatest stories that I've ever heard of the canopy, the greenhouse of God is Reinhard Bonnke. There was this man that was killed in a car accident in Africa. I can't remember wh where it was. He was killed in a car accident. And before they notified his wife, they took him to the morgue and they, and they uh, prepared his body. What it embalmed, they embalmed him. The wife shows up, finally gets there, and she said, I, you shouldn't have done that. I didn't give you permission to do that. And she was, the Reinhardt Bonnke was in the area, and she wanted to get him to the Reinhardt Bonnke crusade because she believed God could raise him from the dead. Now, Brother Bonke, she couldn't get in. And so then she found out that Brother Bonke was going to be in this other town in a church preaching. And so she had the, the uh, whatever you call it, Hirsch or whatever it was. They took him to that church. I mean, this guy had already been embalmed. They took him to the church and couldn't get him in. Brother Bonke was preaching. And the, the people said, the only thing we can do is put him in the basement of the church. She said, okay. They put him in the basement of the church while Brother Reinhardt Bonnke was preaching upstairs right above him. Man had been dead for days, already been embalmed, and, and all of a sudden he began to move. 
while Brother Bonke was preaching, what happened? He came under the presence of an almighty God, and he began to, that, that dead body began to be infused with power. And he began to move, and he ended up sitting up. And he was, you know, he couldn't think or anything. Can you imagine all that had to happen? I mean, all that, God had to change all that embalming fluid into, back into blood. It took a while, but he finally started functioning and started talking and began to function. God raised that man from the dead, and nobody prayed for him. He just simply come in contact and come under the umbrella of the canopy of God, the glory of God. And all of a sudden, things begin to take place. Is that not amazing? Amen. Now, some of y'all struggling with that, that story. That's all right. Just struggle with it. The more you struggle with it, the more you'll be confronted with your unbelief and doubt. Amen. There were some people told me I died on an airplane one time. I don't think I did, but they told me I did. I didn't breathe or move for 11 hours. The guy sitting beside me was an Australian. I don't tell this very much because people have a tendency to not believe, believe me. But I've, I'd been extremely ill, had a bacterial infection in my blood that went toxic and had been unconscious, and I come around, you all know the story any, anyway. God raised me up from that. And I went on ministering, and I was weak, I was blind, I couldn't see, but I, kept, I went on preaching. And fi they finally got me back to Johannesburg. I got on the airplane in Johannesburg to fly back to London, to fly to Chicago, to fly home. And when I got to Johannesburg... I was so weak that I felt like I couldn't even hold my head up. And I got on the airplane, and when I got to my seat, there was, there was a man sitting by the window over on the side of a big plane. You know, they got the seats in the middle. And, the, and I walked up to this guy, and I said, Buddy, look, I've been really sick. I want to sleep. If you want to get out during the flight, you might want to tra trade me seats and let me sit by the window. He said, okay, mate. He got up. He let me in. I sit down, and that's the last thing I remember is sitting down. What seemed like a few minutes later to me had been 11 hours, and all of a sudden I woke up and sat up, and I looked over, and my Australian buddy was sitting back like this, leaning back out into the aisle. And I said, what are you doing? He said, you died. I said, no, I didn't. I said, I've been asleep. He said, no, no, you ain't been asleep. He said, you died. I said, no. I said, obviously, I'm fine. And he said, you don't understand. He said, he said, you haven't breathed or moved for 11 hours. We checked you. You were not breathing. I said, obviously, I was. He said, no, you wasn't. <laughs> he said, I even asked the flight. I went and got the flight attendants and brought them back, and they checked you. You were not breathing. And he said, they told me, don't say anything. We'll unload all the people, and then we'll have the paramedics come and get him and take him off the plane. Don't tell anybody. 
I said, but I was fine. He said, no, you were not fine. I didn't have any third heaven experience. I don't remember any of that. I think I was just asleep. But they swore. And so we landed. I woke up just as we were landing in London. Got up, got my stuff. I was making my way down the, the aisle, and the flight attendants were standing. You know how they greet you as you get off plane. Flight attendants standing there, and they were standing there staring at me. And I said, hi. And one of them spoke up and said, glad to see you're back with us. I said, I didn't go anywhere. I was just asleep. And they both went. That's all they said. They didn't even want to talk to me. I got off the plane. I don't know what happened, but I do know this, that I walk in him. Amen. I walk in him. And if my body gets to here, but my purpose is still over there, then something has to happen with my body because I still have somewhere to go. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? If my body says, well, that's it, I'm giving up. But my purpose says, we're not done. We still need to be over there. Then God has to do something with this human body. He's got to strengthen it, empower it, because I need to, con I need to walk some more. I need to walk in him some more. I need to get over here because this is where my purpose is. The Bible, or God told Paul, he said, you're going to preach the gospel in Rome also. And there's all kinds of things trying to stop him from getting to Rome, but he made it. God raised him up. God protected him. God brought him out of the ocean, brought him through sickness, brought him through all kinds of stuff. And he got to Rome and preached the gospel. Even in Caesar's house, people got saved. When your purpose is, is established, then God will help you in whatever you need to get to your purpose. That's because we live in the kingdom of God and we have purpose. How many understand you have purpose? Your purpose is not just to, is not just to make money, pay, pay your bills, and die. That's just the menial things that we have to do in this world. Our purpose is greater than that. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. In where it's, it's talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory, in the, in the Passion Translation, it says he's the heavenly treasure chest of hope. The heavenly treasure chest of hope in you. I like that. He is the heavenly treasure chest. Of, oh, we need, to, we need to mine out some treasure today. Praise God. We need to get a hold of some treasure. Amen. God wants everyone to know it. That's what the end of that verse in the Passion Translation says, and God wants everyone to know it. How many know God wants everyone to know what's in you, what you're carrying, who he is? Hallelujah. And God's going to set up encounters. There's going to be times that you're going to wonder, why am I here why did I come here? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? And next thing you know, you're going to have come face to face with an encounter that God set up for you because there's a broken heart, there's a, there's a, a shattered life that you're going to come encounter with that you've got hope for. Amen. Did you hear me? you got hope for. You are a treasure chest of God, and you've got all kinds of treasure 
to pour out. Praise God. All kinds of treasure. I want to read one more thing this morning. This is out of, out of the book, New, New Era of Glory. Tremendous book. It says, this is the supernatural, prepared for season, when the ecclesia finds her voice. How many believe we're finding our voice? We are here to give voice to the will of God on this planet. We are here to voice the governing decrees of our kingdom to shift a region, a nation, and a world. We are here to give voice to the purpose and the strategies of Almighty God and the mighty Holy Spirit, who Jesus declared was our advantage. No matter the odds, we always have the advantage. Oh, I want to live my life that way. Don't you want to live your life like that? No matter what happens, you believe you have the advantage. This era is an era when the glorious church recognizes her advantage and begins to declare a governing authority. The ecclesia has been prepared to raise its voice on behalf of a spiritual kingdom that begins to affect a natural kingdom. Oh, praise God. We are here to be God's voice to awaken the conscience of a nation and to shift it back to its covenant roots. We can do it. We are prepared to do it. We are authorized to do it. And the Holy Spirit and his angel armies are here to help us get it done. Everybody say, get it done. <laughs> As some comedian made that popular. But I think the church needs to pick it up. Get it done. Or get her done, I think. Get her done. <laughs> get her done. It's time for us to get her done. Amen. To be the impact that God made us to be. I believe that God's changing and transforming nations today by the power of God. Uh, several years ago, I, I gave a prophetic word that said that, that God, is, God is sending his prophets into nations. And when they arrive in that country, the government will shake because they know that they're there. I believe that's, that's happening right now. Amen. I believe Brother, Brother David Hogan was talking about uh, coming in, going into a country in Africa. You know, when Brother Hogan was here, he, minist he ministered here. At that time, he was just working in Mexico alone. And when he was here, before he left, I told him, I said, I said Brother David, I said, I feel God telling me that it won't be long and you're not going to be in Mexico any longer, which he looked at me kind of funny like because that was his main mission. He was committed to that. I said, God's fixing to send you to Africa, to Asia, to India. God's fixing to take you out of Mexico and, and begin to take you to different parts of the world. And, you know, he didn't say anything. But today he's traveling all over. He's no longer in Mexico. He's traveling all over the world having an impact, a tremendous impact. And he was going into an African country where they don't like, there's three things they don't like. They don't like white American preachers. And he was all three. And he said when he was, when he was there at immigration trying to get into the country, they, they flagged him and took him into a, a room. 
man come in there, just real mean. He's, he said, why are you in our country? Why did you come to our country? Brother Hogan just simply said, he just sit there and he, he said, I come to raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel. And the guy said, you can do all those things? He said, yes, I can. And started talking to him. And next thing you know, this guy's letting, this, letting Brother Hogan pray for him and let him into the country. You, know, you see what I'm talking about? The body of Christ is finding her voice. And it's going all over the world. Not only just here, I believe, I believe America is ripe for a, an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're just going to have to have our eyes open and realize that it's not going to come the way. Jeep, it's going to come. It's going to come with a bunch of sheep and donkeys and, and hay. <laughs> and the church doesn't like that. there's voices that God's getting ready to start raising up, already raising up. They're going to shake this country to its core and God's going to start laughing. God's going to start laughing. Why does the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? God will laugh. He'll have him in derision. And right now they're, they're raging and Imagining vain things. <laughs> I believe we are ripe. And we have started into an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this nation. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Oh, amazing God amazing God. Father, thank you for giving me the strength to stand up here today. Yes. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability to preach this, this word. Thank you, Lord, I pray that we just receive it and take it to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the anointing of the power of God. Thank you, Father, for your powerful anointing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this powerful anointing. Lord, we walk in you. And you are the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I thank you, God, for demonstrating that today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your word, Father. Father, I thank you for meeting the needs of not only this congregation, but to all those that are watching online right now, Lord God. I thank you for meeting the needs of people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. 
many need healing in their bodies today? It's like I, I have been today. You need healing. Raise your hand if you need healing in your body right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, I declare and decree the healing power of Jesus Christ made manifest in these lives right now. Father, I thank you for the manifest presence of God. Thank you, Father, for your glory, your healing power in our bodies, raising us up in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Glory. Thank you for your healing presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 